as you may hear from the raspiness of my voice, the presence of this bottle. Um, um, you probably figure that uh, I've um, been sick for the last week. And so I'm going to ask for your forgiveness um, and grace, not, not because that uh, it might be a little bit harder to uh, hear me speak, but um, uh, the, the refinement process in terms of uh, preparing the sermon really took a hit. Uh, and so uh, where am I lacking in uh, what I need to say from this passage? I pray that uh, God work powerfully and speak to your hearts today. Um, so uh, well, please allow me to uh, pray for us as we uh, begin today. Uh, Almighty God, we uh, thank you for this Sunday, uh, uh, for your uh, word to be read. Uh, Father, may the words that I speak, the weak and feeble, be a fragrant offering to you and acceptable to you. And may the meditations of our hearts uh, be also acceptable to you. Father, though uh, I am weak uh, and I'm a weak vessel, uh, I thank you that it is the power of your word that changes hearts. So Holy Spirit, come. Uh, work in our hearts today. And where uh, I am lacking, may you fully supply. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, if you've uh, been with us uh, from the beginning, you've known that we've been go going through the whole book of Philippians. Uh, and if you've been with us from right from the start, you'll remember uh, that we kicked off this series looking at the relationship between Paul and the Philippian church. Their relationship is one of gospel partnership. All the way back in week one, our head pastor, Eugene, titled his sermon, We All Need Partners in the Gospel. Now, as you've taken your seats and, uh, you know, taken one of these bulletins, you'll notice uh, printed today uh, is the title of today's sermon, which I've titled, We All Need Partners in the Gospel, Part 2. Now, uh, Eugene didn't tell me to do that, and I'm pretty sure that he didn't think that I would title my sermon this way. Uh, but I chose to title this sermon like this anyway, because I think the Bible allows me to do so. The, the, the uh, passage itself has a trajectory and framework that allows me to do so. Paul introduces the concept of gospel partnership all the way back in chapter 1. But the specifics of what that gospel partnership is fleshed out here in chapter 4. Um, but I also titled this sermon part 2 because I also really wanted the opportunity to speak to some of the things that Eugene raised back in January. In particular, I want to talk to that moment, if you recall, when he was drawing out what happens when gospel partners don't live out their commitment to gospel ministry. 
what is the impact where gospel partners aren't living out as gospel partners to community group leaders, missionaries, and pastors. Uh, If you were there that week, his comments were not only challenging, but really heavy. Those words really stuck with me for a long time, and I know from speaking to some of you, you felt the same. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I've I've actually uh, pulled out the transcript. Um, So I'm going to read that portion of the sermon out to you. This is what Eugene said. Have you ever wondered what most disheartens and discourages a community group leader? Well, it's often when they feel like that they are serving serving the community group alone. It's often when they feel like that they are only people who cares about the welfare of the group. That's when your community group leader feels most disheartened and discouraged. Do you know what discourages a missionary? Well, missionaries are most discouraged when they feel like they're alone on the field. When it appears no one reads or responds to their newsletters, when it appears no one knows or cares about the ministry they're engaged in with, there is silence for three, four years and not a word from the sending church. Do you know what most discourages and disheartens a pastor? When they feel like they're alone in serving the people of God when they feel like they're the only people who care about the church, when people in the church community are disengaged and they are unwilling to serve, when no one in the church is interested in God's mission. And so listen carefully. You cannot truly be a uh, partner in the gospel if there's no commitment to the work of the gospel. Did you hear that? You cannot truly be a partner in the gospel if there is no commitment to the work of the gospel. Now, Huge said that because he wanted to give a prod, a kick up the butt, to those of us who are not committed to the work of the gospel. I think his intention was to help some people understand the impact of their passiveness on people who are committed to the work of the gospel, who are gospel partners. They are words for those who are not living out their gospel partnership. But I can't help but wonder um, whether for some of you, those words from Eugene spoke to you differently. Whether you heard something else. I can't help but wonder, for some of you, rather than hearing these words as challenging words for those who are not committed to the work of the gospel, you instead saw yourself in those ministry workers. You resonated with their grief. Perhaps you wanted to say, Eugene, I am that discouraged community group leader. Perhaps, though, you're not a missionary or a pastor. You saw yourself in them because you feel like you are alone in sharing the gospel to your family and friends. You are alone in evangelism. You are alone 
in serving the people of God. Brothers and sisters, if that were you, can I say two things right up? First, as a brother in Christ, as your fellow co-worker in this church, as someone who really cares about you, I would love to hear from you. I would love to walk alongside of you. Uh, And if there's any uh, takeaway from this, I really do hope that you would be able to find either myself or one of your community group leaders or elders to have a discussion. But the second is this, that the passage we are looking today has some things to say about your situation. It speaks hope and steps to move forward from your situation. So, so please listen in. And, and even if this is not you, this is not your situation that you're experiencing, can I say that being discouraged and disheartened by people is a reality and norm as a Christian? Feeling alone in gospel work is a common experience. So if you haven't experienced that in your life yet, what we're going through today is also relevant for you. Um, so if you look in your bulletins there, you, you'll find a little bit of an insert, and you'll find that there are three points to be made in this sermon. That there are gospel partners are other person-centered. Gospel partners act to fulfill others' needs. And gospel partners have God-centered perspectives. Um, each of these points would have about two or three subheadings, and I'll do my best to uh, foreshadow that for you. Uh, but before we do that, I'm, I'm going to do a quick recap and say a few things in addition to help us understand gospel partnership and frame our sermon today. As we heard from week one of the series, gospel partnerships is just a way to describe the relationship between Christians through the lens of the commitment to a particular shared cause. Um, For example, the missionaries that uh, my family support are gospel partners because we... uh, Oh, yes. Oh, before I get to that, yes. So in a general sense, every other Christian is our gospel partner because every Christian by virtue of the commitment to Jesus and to his shared cause of gospel work, is our gospel partner. So in a general sense, uh, every Christian is a gospel partner to one another. But we also mean gospel partnership in a specific sense, because in a specific sense, there are those who are committed to a particular cause that is gospel work. So, for example, the missionaries that my family and I support um, are gospel partners to us because we financially support their particular ministry, their mission work. Even in a a family unit, your your spouse are gospel partners to each other in the shared cause of your marriage and your family. And as members of Grace Point, uh, we are gospel partners to each other in a specific sense, 
as every member in Grace Point makes membership vows committing to the shared cause of the ministry of this church. Uh, so uh, what I'm bringing is that gospel partnership is a way to describe the relationship between Christians in view of their shared cause, whether that cause is that general uh, Christian sense or in a very specific, that particular ministry that we share sense. In the case of Paul and the Philippians, their gospel partnership was both. The Philippians were Christians, and so in a general sense, were partners in the work of the gospel with Paul. But they were also supporters of Paul's ministry. They provided financial aid and encouragement in order to help him continue doing the ministry he was doing. So with that recap, Let's come to our passage to learn the principles about gospel partnerships from Paul and the Philippines. Let's look at what the specifics of what that looks like. We're at point one. Gospel partners are other person-centered. As uh, from the passage that Robin read for us, we can see that the gospel partnership between Paul and the Philippines is fundamentally other. When we talk about business relationships, business partnerships in a commercial context, each party is really looking out for themselves, what they can gain out of the relationship and the partnership that they have. But not so with gospel partnerships. Paul and the Philippians have in view the other person. Let's read in verse 10. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned. The Philippians have concern for Paul. They have him in their heart. And this point is really highlighted when you take a moment to think about how disconnected the Philippians are from Paul. You know, they're physically hundreds of kilometers apart, and the only means of connection between them is through letters. And letters back in the ancient times take a long time to deliver. After all, every letter that Paul sends and the Philippians send back is hand-carried by messengers who need to walk the distance between them. It's, it's, it's not like Paul and the Philippians are in a WhatsApp chat group sending you know, uh, funny posts and memes and connecting that way. No, no, it's taking a long time for them to connect. Uh, but despite being disconnected by physical distance and time, the Philippians have a concern for Paul. They care about Paul. They have him in his heart. They are other person-centered. How are we to be other person-centered, especially as we think about gospel partnerships? That's really hard when we think about gospel partnerships as we define in that broad general sense. Are we to have this same kind of concern as the Philippians have with Paul as, as everyone in the world that we call Christians? No, I, I, I think that we need to apply this passage in light of us being limited as human beings, created with different capacities and also in different circumstances. But we can have a concern for our gospel partners, especially when the circumstances arise for it. 
when we scroll across our social media platforms like uh, Facebook or Insta or TikTok, and, and, and there was a post on the feed about uh, Christians in a part of Africa caught in war, or, or a Christian in Pakistan arrested for blasphemy charges, does our heart move at all? Or do we shrug it off and keep scrolling along? Are we able to show concern? And as, as gospel partners in Grace Point, sure, it's probably impossible to have a concern for everyone individually, everywhere in this church, and also the people in the Lidcombe campus. Yeah, that might be hard to have all time. But I would think that it would be possible for all of us to have a concern for our church. That is, our church as a collective unit. It would be possible for us to have questions in our hearts, like, I wonder how our church is going. How can I be praying for Grace Point? I like to think it would be possible for all of us to make it to our ACM to hear about the direction of our church. Because as the Philippians model, gospel partners have a concern for one another. And that's the Philippians to Paul. But let's look at what Paul has for the Philippians. Even though he is in adversity and having been thrown in jail for preaching the gospel, even though that Paul himself has real material needs, uh, Paul has not his own interest in his heart, but the Philippians. As we read in verse 17, not that I desire your gifts, what I desire is that more be credited to your account. Paul's greatest want is not for his own needs to be met. What he desires is that more be credited to the Philippians' account, their account of spiritual good works. Paul desires for the Philippians to do well in their Christian life, to live out being Christians. You know, I, I think as um, our breed of uh, Christianity, uh, as evangelical Christians, we're really good at thinking about what we should do, you know, where we stand with God and how we should live out the Christian faith. Uh, but this passage teaches us that part of what we should do is think about what other Christians should do. It is a good desire to want to see others, our gospel partners, to do good works. And can I also just make the point here that desire is much as a choice than it is a feeling. You can choose to desire a thing. Like right now, like right now, right? You can desire for the person sitting right next to you to do good works. You can right now think of that person and say in your heart, oh, I really want to see this person be amazingly Christ-like for their good and for their sake. You can be like Paul and desire their good works to be credited to their account. 
And you can even act on that desire. You, you can right after the service, initiate steering the conversations away from neutral, safe topics like work, weather, holidays, and what you're going to have for lunch. And, and, and that's not a bad thing, by the way. It's, it's, it's okay to do that. But you can steer that conversation away to a line of discussion topics that allows you to end the conversation with both of you bowing your heads in prayer for one another in living out your gospel partnership. You can desire the good of the gospel partners around you. And as good as being other person-centered is, the passage also shows us that gospel partners act. Gospel partners move into action for one another. We're at point two. Now, it's pretty clear that the Philippians, how they act for Paul is, is to be financially generous. As we read from verse 14 to 18, uh, we see that the Philippians have been sending financial aid to Paul to meet his financial needs and been doing it since the beginning. They don't just have concern for Paul, but they show concern for Paul. They share in his troubles by sharing their material goods. Uh, now, since Pastor Eugene in his first sermon has already made this point uh, very clearly of um, financially giving to our gospel partners, um, but, but since this passage raises this again, I, I, and, and also how important that point is, I want to give this a little bit more airtime and comment from a different angle. Rather than telling you the merits, I, I just want to tell you an example. I want to tell you a new story of what's happening in our church. Uh, in our church, we have uh, migrant families, uh, people settling in Australia with little and having little support. One family in particular has been starting out, and the husband was job hunting. There was a job that piqued his interest, but the prerequisite to the job was having a car. He was unsure whether he should apply for the job because he didn't have a car. When he heard about the husband's predicament, uh, one of our brothers here, Simon, uh, offered to sell his car at a heavily discounted rate to him. And when they also heard about how Simon had done this, the Lambs, Chans, Quatches, and Allen, not to be outdone, all forked out to help pay almost two-thirds of the selling price of the car. In particular, the Lambs, that's Danny and Jess, in their giving effectively matched dollar for dollar for what the rest of us gave. The husband landed the job, and so moved by the gesture of these leaders, it's... <laughs> just so moved and encouraged him to want to share the gospel with the clients in his car as he drives them from location to location. As the, and, and you might be wondering why, why I named names here, because if you read uh, what Paul does in Philippians chapter 3, he sets an example to others and encourages people to model after how he models the Christian faith. And so as the Philippians financially supported Paul, Elder Danny and these other leaders supported the needs of this husband as their gospel partner. 
And can I encourage all of us to model after that act of generosity? So that's the Philippians to Paul. Um, what about Paul to the Philippians? Well, Paul moves into action by giving what every church needs biblical teaching and encouragement. Paul gives the Philippians his words as inspired by God. And with every word written in his letter, write doctrine so that they can live their life correctly as Christians. So we come back to verse 9. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. You know, instead of saying, thanks, guys, Paul gives Philippians one of the most beautiful letters of the Bible that showcases right Christian living encouragements. Uh, it encapsulates a passage about the humanity and divinity of Jesus that has inspired songs even 2,000 years after this letter was written. We have four chapters worth of text which the Philippians and Christians from generations to come can mine the truths of God until the return of Jesus Christ. Paul didn't need to do that. It's, it's, it's hard work, teaching. It's, you need to think about what you need to write in a letter. But he did that. He moved into action in giving biblical teaching to his gospel partner, church. And believe it or not, brothers and sisters, all of us here can do the same to our gospel partners. With our Bible in hand, we can speak God's word to our gospel partners. We can encourage them with God's word. One of the ways you can express your gospel partnership to them is by encouraging them through the Bible. So let's continue to keep, be committed to the word of God. <clears throat> We're at our final heading. Gospel partners have God-centered perspectives. As we circle back to the beginning and um, have in mind um, all of us here who uh, are wrestling with discouragement and disheartened, we still have the questions, how do we keep being a gospel partner if we are discouraged and disheartened by others? How do you be a gospel to, partner to others when you feel no one is being a gospel partner to you? The answers can be found in verse 11 to 13 and 18 to 19. Let me read it out to you. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I have received full payment and have more than enough. The gifts are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. 
what these verse teaches is that it is possible to be a gospel partner as your needs are not met. It is possible to be a gospel partner even if your gospel partner are not doing their part. It is possible because like how Paul models and teaches here, gospel partners have a God-centered perspective on his strength, on his pleasure, and the riches of his glory in Jesus. You see, the, the thing that takes away from being disheartened and discouragement in ministry, the thing that buffers that pain, the thing that acts like a shield to, to, to reduce the impact of a Christian being in need or discouraged, is the virtue of Christian contentment. And Christian contentment, uh, the special kind thing can get you through every kind of situation, is, as we read, not something a person can obtain by themselves alone. Nor is it something that you instantly have by becoming a Christian. No, as Paul says here, it is possible through God's strength. It is learned. That is, takes time. That is, grown. By having the perspective that it is only by God's strength, we can grow in and have Christian contentment. Brothers and sisters, if you are disheartened or discouraged, the question for you is not whether I should quit being a gospel partner, but rather, will you trust in God's strength to help you learn and grow in contentment so that you can get through this period of discouragement? Cast your trust in God because the Bible promises that God will give you strength to grow in contentment. Perhaps this season of discouragement and being disheartened is God giving you that opportunity to do that. Don't waste this season. Have faith in him. God promises to help you by his strength. And if you're not in the season, if you are in a season of plenty, start today to learn the secret of contentment by God's strength. Don't let discouragement hit you like a brick when the time comes. And as important as it is to keep God's strength in perspective, so does Paul teach us to keep perspective on what pleases God. If Paul says that the gifts that the Philippians give to Paul are not merely things to supply Paul's needs, but ultimately a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God, then what we know is that being a gospel partner to another is not an end of itself. Like how the sun shines brightly behind the passing moon during a solar eclipse, so is behind that every gospel partner for you to show your gospel partnership to is the radiance of God himself. Every act of love, posture of consent, commitment to the other uh, gospel partner is ultimately an act of spiritual worship of God, 
a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Maybe there are reasons why it's hard to be motivated and being a gospel partner to others. Maybe your gospel partners aren't just very easy people to love. Well, the ministry is just at a very lackluster stage. Irrespective, if your intention is to show your gospel partnership to them, God is pleased with your works. And at the end of the day, is that not what we live for as Christians? To please our God? At the end of the day, our primary motivations as Christians is to please our greatest love, the Lord God Almighty, and to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant, when we see him face to face. Our expression of gospel partnership is our act of spiritual worship. And lastly, our last point, I promise. <laughs> Paul teaches the Philippians not only to keep their perspectives on God's strength, on what pleases God, but also on the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. On the riches of God's glory in Christ Jesus. As he says to the Philippians, my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Because it's not only in following, because it's only in following the footsteps of Jesus, whose life was marked by humility, obedience to death, even death on a cross. Do we as Christians share in that glory as we are in Jesus? And so rich and great is the glory that we share. And so real as the promises of the Bible that our needs will be met. That we can bear with our present needs not being met and the sufferings that we experience today. Our sufferings are transformed in glory. And that is the hope that we have. Brothers and sisters, what this passage reminds us is that our present sufferings are tied to our future glory in Christ Jesus. Having a perspective of the riches of God's glory in Christ Jesus transforms our experience of the discouragements now to reward when Jesus returns. Disheartened brother, disheartened sister, keep persevering in your commitment to the work of the gospel, in being a gospel partner. Though painful now, the promise of the Bible is true, that my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Amen.